I'm honest with you, I have been thinking about what I was going to preach on all week, and I didn't know until about 20 minutes ago. I was going back and forth, I'm going to preach about this, I'm going to preach about this, I'm going to preach about this, and I was kneeling right here and asking the Lord, what the heck am I going to preach on, Lord? And finally, he came through. I want to take a different approach on the gospel. Most preachers today, if they preach on the gospel, they are going to preach about giving to the poor and the necessity of that, which I don't want to diminish the importance of that aspect of our faith. But I want to take a different approach, a different twist. I'd like to view the parable we heard today about Abraham, and, or the rich man, and Lazarus in the light of Jesus Christ. And maybe see differences between what the rich man does here and what Jesus does for us. This is what we hear in the parable. There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. In ancient times, if you were to hear these words, you would have known that this man wasn't just rich, he was filthy rich. Because only royalty dressed in purple. Purple was a dye that not many people had access to, and you had to have a lot of money. And so we had this rich man who was royalty, but also that he dined sumptuously each day. That means not only he had a meal, he had a fantastic meal. I would say, compare it to our days, that he was going to Ruth Chris every day. How many of you go to Ruth Chris every day? Didn't think so. How many of you be broke after a week going to Ruth Chris? I would. But this man has it all. He has it all. He dines sumptuously each day. But then there's poor man at his gate. This man lives in a gated community. How many poor people live in gated communities in our day? None. And so this man lives in a gated community. He dines sumptuously. He is royalty. He is filthy rich. But he doesn't see the poor man in front of him. And this poor man is named Lazarus. And it says that he is covered with sores. We likely could say that he has leprosy. In other words, he is literally dying at his doorstep. That's what leprosy was. It was a man's death sentence. And it says that he would have gladly eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. In other words, he was so hungry. He was starving. I've had the opportunity to serve the poor in different countries. And I'll tell you, one of the saddest thing to see is someone who has been without food for not just hours, not just days, but weeks. And you can see they long just for something small to eat. They're so hungry. They're so destitute. They're so poor that they just want just something small. And when you give it to them, man, do they consume it. And then we have this rather odd but stark image. It says dogs even used to come and lick his sores. My brothers and sisters, I would like to propose to you that we should view this first part as our relationship with God before Christ. 
You see, Christ is the rich man. He is a rich man. He died sumptuously. He was in he was in heaven, and he had it all. He had it all. There was nothing that he was lacking. You could say he lived in the gated community of the heavens. He died sumptuously. There was nothing that he didn't have. And we were like the poor man Lazarus. We were just longing for something, for something to eat. We were longing for something to fulfill us. And we were so poor that we had a death sentence. We were like men and women with the leprosy of sin. We were dying inside and out. But you see, the difference between the rich man in this gospel and the rich man we call Jesus Christ is that he didn't pass us by. The rich man, Jesus, became man, became one of us, so as to live among us. He became poor so that we might become rich like he. And not only did he become poor, did he become like man, and now he clothes himself in the, most, in the poorest food that you could ever think of, and that is bread. If there's one thing that usually poor people will have access to, it is a little bit of bread. And so Jesus, the Son of God, God Himself becomes man, becomes one of us, takes on our sin, saves us, and not only does that, then becomes for us food for the journey. He makes us rich because we get to receive Him. As I sat here kneeling, I was reflecting on something. Last week I was invited by the dance team of St. Patrick's to join them in a dance. It was a secret. Nobody knew about it. They even snuck me into the high school to do the rehearsal. I do the rehearsal on Friday. I go to the pep rally. I do the dance. And I just checked it just a second ago. The video has over 60,000 views already. And I tell you, it feels really good. And every time I've checked Facebook, it felt really good to see that number go up and up and up and up. As I sat here, kneeling in front of the Blessed Sacrament, the Lord said something to me that was really profound. He said, remember every time you checked your Facebook when you had 80 notifications, 70 notifications, you had people sharing it left and right, you felt really good. But that good feeling left like that. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, that that feeling of high was going up and down these past two days. But I'm here to witness to you and to give you a testimony that there's one time in my life when I feel the joy of the Lord that doesn't fade. And it's when I sit myself in front of the Blessed Sacrament. You know, this thing has been viewed over 60,000 times, but it's nothing compared to the times I get viewed by the Savior, our Lord, in front of the Holy Eucharist. It does not compare. Because when I sit in front of Jesus in the Eucharist, there is a peace, there is a joy, there is a fulfillment that comes to me that doesn't fade as soon as I leave the chapel. It's something that holds me 
It fulfills me. It guides me. It pushes me. And yes, people have come, random strangers, in the last two days to tell me that, they asked me, are you Father Colton, the one that's in the video? And it felt good for them to say that, but I'll tell you, it compares to nothing. And I mean that. We hear in the second reading, St. Paul exhort Timothy and he exhorts you and he exhorts me to compete well for the faith. And I tell you, if Jesus isn't present in that tabernacle right there, right there, we should all go home. We should all go home right now. There's no point to us being here. There is a, there's a reality and there's a truth in our faith and in our church that the God who is rich, who dined subjectly, who is royalty, who had it all, who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that very same God became man, became sin, suffered death, was die, died and rose again. And now He feeds us in the bread of life. That's what it's all about, y'all. That's what it's all about. And if we don't believe that, if we don't cherish that, if that's not our greatest glory, if that's not our greatest joy, we should, we should go home. If Jesus Christ is not present in the Holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, there's no reason for us to be here. My brothers and sisters, we have the greatest treasure. Our God lives among us in the Eucharist. A recent poll, I don't know if you've heard about this, a recent poll that was done about a month ago, I was in Mexico when I first received the news when I looked at it, it says 70%, 7 out of 10 Catholics do not believe in the Holy Eucharist. 7 out of 10 Catholics do not believe that what is present right there in that tabernacle is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, the God become man. Not a symbol, not a sign, but the reality of a person, the reality of your God and mine. If we took that in miniature, that would say seven out of ten people here do not believe that Jesus is present in your midst right now. I'm here to affirm to you that Jesus, the rich man, God become man, who died for you, rose for you, loves you, has mercy on you, wants the best for you, and wants you to be with him in his gated community we call heaven, is present right there and will be present upon this altar. And you have the chance to receive him. That's the gift that we have. And that's why St. Paul urges us to compete, to fight for the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. Why do you do it? Because Jesus, the rich man, became one of us and shared everything He had with you. And He feeds you with His very body, blood, soul, and divinity. In these last two days, I have experienced, as I said, a lot of affirmation, a lot of good feelings, but they went away like that. And I'm here to tell you my story. My story is this, that when I sit in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, when I receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, 
It gives me a peace, a joy, and a fulfillment that nothing in this world can do, not even if that thing goes to 100,000 views. Not even if I make it to Ellen or Good Morning America, which I hope I don't do. Especially to you young people here. This applies to all of you here, but I do want to especially speak to you. There's a lot of things fighting for your attention right now. There's a lot of things that are telling you it's going to make you feel good and it's going to give you joy. But I'm here to tell you there's nothing that compares to Jesus. Nothing. There's nothing compared to when we put faith in the reality that Jesus Christ is present in the Holy Eucharist and that you and I have the privilege and the honor to receive him Sunday after Sunday. My brothers and sisters, if we are men and women of God, let us pursue righteousness, devotion, piety, faith, love, patience, and let us fight the good fight of faith. And let us remember that our Lord, Jesus Christ, the God become man, dwells among us and is with us always in the most holy sacrament we call the Eucharist.